What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Organization News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Renation Loops on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, pretty good. So we've had a we've had a day to digest this, and uh, like I, I feel like I, I we're starting to learn more and more about this trade, uh, the Chris Paul trade, and uh, more and more about what the organization was intending at the time and, and what they're what they might be doing going forward. Um, do you have any like? Do you have anything more to say other than yesterday's like what the hell like <laughs> well we'll we'll get into it but uh <laughs> yeah this is this is uh fun this is a lot of fun this is going to keep being fun and also stressful yeah yeah and i'm i, I kind of feel the same way like okay so the trade package yesterday was so sophisticated like it was like so the the report came out that the Rockets were tra- were opting and trading with Chris Paul, um, which is um, it's not a unique concept. It's happened before. It just it's just kind of a workaround where you get to keep the players' bird rights um, like in the trade. So what what happened is like Chris Paul essentially opted into his deal as one more season, and uh, he got immediately got traded. And basically, the, the Rockets. Not not the rock. Well, James Harden and Chris had been talking about this for a long time. Normally, like, uh, normally like, this kind of stuff is like you know done on July first. But I feel like now nowadays, like you kind of have to get ahead of the situation. Otherwise, you're behind. Like if you're if you're just talking to free agents on July first, you're like twenty days late, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's what the that's what the Warriors proved with their what like multiple years long uh, courtship of Kevin Durant. So yeah, uh, James Harden clearly did his job. Yeah, and like like there's uh, a report came out today of like well it's not really a report like executives uh, commented on the story to, to the LA Times about how like this was like severe tampering and i kind of don't disagree man like oh uh, it's absolutely tampering yeah they, they tampered the shit out of this i mean like uh it, it was just like openly james harden was openly talking to chris paul about t- becoming teammates uh maybe they actually maybe they they talked to agents and did a workaround kind of thing but i mean it, it, it was pretty clear that they were in contact with each other um otherwise like why the hell did chris paul opt in like <laughs> like like th- that's pretty much the framework for this like norm you're not supposed to tell you, you like when you're opting into a contract normally that's like proof that you want to stay and he chris paul opted in with the with the knowledge uh that he was going to houston he told the clippers in a meeting before he got traded like i'm going to houston trade me now because it's going to be where it's going to work out better for both parties 
Yeah, uh, I was actually thinking about this today. Okay, so as far as the tampering thing goes, that's just how it is. You can't prevent yeah. players from tampering with each other. Like, if they're allowed to text each other, if they're allowed to talk to each other, they're going to talk about recruiting stuff. Because uh, what are you going to do? Be like, hey, I want to see your text logs, James and Chris. I think you were talking about recruitment. Like, there's, you can't not do that. You, it's, it's way easier to keep GMs from tampering because you can just be like, no, you can't text that player. Right? <laughs> like, you can't contact that player flat out. But right. yeah, you, can't, you can't prevent James and Chris from having conversations. So uh, it's definitely tampering, but there's nothing to be done about it. It's just kind of... That's just the way that the world works until we come up with some kind of uh, magic, I guess. Yeah, and and I, I guess to some extent it may frustrate owners that Draymond Green could openly recruit Kevin Durant while he's playing Kevin Durant in a playoff series. Um, but at the same time, like, you can't do anything, man. Like, as you said, like, like you can't prevent players from talking to each other. Like, there's just no nothing in the CBA that, that prevents them from doing so. I mean, uh, the only real real prevention from that kind of stuff like i see it's kind of like from officials like like i remember reading a story about um how like if if a ref sees like a player like in the middle of the on on the on the street like he can't talk to him right that's the only kind of that's the only extent to where the league steps in like you can't contact refs and you can't really contact other organizations directly um and other than that like players can do this stuff freely and you can you can get get away with it as much as you want um, let's go ahead and talk about the trade first. Okay, so, like, I feel like Daryl Morey, like, like obviously, like, w- we think he's a genius, and uh, other GM, other GMs around the league and uh, players, uh, players and pretty much fans think he's a genius. I mean, like, if you look at the this trade itself, I feel like it's going to be, like, an outline for how superstars might be traded in the future because it, it's... I've never seen this before where Daryl Morey went around the league collecting these non-guaranteed deals because he was under the, under the salary floor. I mean, not the salary floor. He was under the, the required salary to match. And uh, basically, it was a very top-heavy deal. Patrick Beverly, first-round pick, um, Lou Williams, and like, like you know, Montrez Harrell, Sam Decker. Th- th- that's a pretty significant amount of assets. The problem with that is like the assets don't match up with the salary the Rockets were giving back. So... Um, and part of that is because Patrick Beverly's deal was so insanely cheap, and same with those rookies. And, like, the Rockets had to go around the league and trade for basically these underwhelming players, you know, like like Quarterman, Sean Long, like these... I've never heard these players, I and I followed the league pretty closely, and, like, they basically had to trade for these non-guaranteed deals to make the deal work. And, like, I kind of feel like other organizations are going to copy this moving forward because it's... It's really unique, and it's a way to match salary without trading back, you know, without trading back any of your players. Well, uh, they can copy some of it, though. Well, so one of the big reasons, though, that they did this trade in the previous uh, NBA year instead of waiting for for July was because there's actually some different rules about trading non-guaranteed players and their salary hits when trades are considered. So there's actually some of this math is going to go away. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the overall structure, if, if there, there's takeaways. I think the big takeaway is you need a cap wizard. Uh, and Daryl Morey is a cap wizard with sub-wizards. 
So it's pretty funny. Like I was saying to somebody that I wouldn't surprise me if basically Daryl Morey and the and the Clippers team has kind of got together and were like, okay, we're gonna trade for these these guys, right? You want these these four dudes in a draft pick, and Daryl and the Rockets manager are just like, we'll we'll figure it out. Don't worry, we'll we'll figure out the math on this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's pretty much what happened. I mean, like the. They they traded back a really cheap salary for Chris Paul, and what Chris Paul did is like e- even what the Rockets gave back that wasn't enough. Chris Paul gave away some of his trade kicker, which is really generous. Actually, I've never seen that before. He like, gave away most of it too. Yeah, he he gave away a lot of his trade kicker money, uh, and basically what a trade kicker is, if you're not familiar with the CBA, it's basically um, superstars negotiate this into a contract where um, if you. Like when you're signing your deal and you want, and let's just say you want a trade kicker, right? Basically, what that means is when you when you get traded, you're gonna get a bonus on your salary because you got traded without your consent, basically, right? And um, this base like Chris Paul was due for like six point six million in trade kicker money, and he gave away like almost all of it be- uh, because Houston had to match that salary. Yeah, he ended up. Uh- he ended up with uh, like 660k, I believe, is the is what what the kicker he actually took was. And yeah, it was just to make this. It was to make the money match, overtly. Yeah, and like what I find really interesting about this about this trade, uh, and we'll get into other stuff besides salary cap minutia in a minute. But like, um, the Rockets actually like this was intended. Like it it wasn't just like we're we're gonna trade for Chris Paul and like. I mean, it, it, and and like it's it's just a, it's just a way to get Chris Paul. Like the doing this benefits them more than signing him outright because they keep their MLE, they keep their biannual, and that's like almost ten million dollars uh, in exceptions to acquire players in free agency, as well as like they're obviously uh, trying to do something else because the. They're doing something because they're still acquiring these non-guaranteed deals, and I know for like I know these players. Oh, it's not over. Yeah, these players are never going to see the floor for the Rockets. I, I, you just know that. Um, They're creating like an artificial trade exception uh, to basically acquire players, and this couldn't, this all couldn't have happened if they did, if they, you know, didn't trade for Chris Paul. Also, like the trading for Chris Paul means you don't have to give up. Like Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, or Patrick, you know, you, you don't have to give up a lot of your assets to make salary cap space because you're trading for him. You can absorb that cap salary cap space, and now the Rockets are over the cap. Um, it, it, it's it's really really clever. I mean, this is like more salary cap cap manipulation from Daryl Morey that I just find really really clever. Uh, yeah. So I wanted also to make a point that I was thinking at this trade earlier today, which is that I think. This is wise from Maury's perspective as well to uh, make a trade which is clearly uh, good for every team, right? As soon as as soon as Chris Paul decided he was leaving, this there was not really a choice about what was going to happen, right? Like he, the Clippers had to get something, and the Rockets didn't really. I mean, they got some benefits from this, but they didn't really have to do this. Potentially, Chris Paul could have just said like, "Okay, well, I'll take this much money, clear some space, I'm coming over." Uh, so honestly, I kind of feel like Chris Paul did the Clippers a solid, and I think that Maury and the Rockets did the Clippers a solid too, because this is that's a pretty decent haul for them when they probably could have expected to get literally nothing back. Uh, I think this is kind of a nice goodwill move to show that, like, I think I think maybe he's 
I don't know, I'm putting thoughts in Maury's head, but I think that he understands a perception that he doesn't want to be reviewed like like Danny Ainge, who just is going to oh, oh, yeah. I try to stiff you on every deal. Yeah, so this is very much like, you know, he's not going to stiff you on this deal. We're going to give you a good haul. Like, he wants to foster relationships, I think. This is a good move if you want to foster relationships and trust with other teams. And Daryl Morey, uh, like, this isn't new for him. Like, he he does this uh, occasionally every year. Like, I, if you remember at the trade deadline this year, trading for Lou Williams benefited both teams because they gave up a first-round draft pick, which is what the Lakers wanted all along. And uh, all they all they really gave back was Corey Brewer's salary, which, I mean, like, it's, for a team like L.A., Corey Brewer's salary is nothing. For a team like Houston, that's a bigger issue because that the Rockets obviously want to improve in the now and the, for the Lakers, it's not really a, a, a big issue. They they took back a first round pick. It benefited both teams. I, I think Kevin Pelton gave both of them an A plus because it was really it was a really good trade for both sides. And Maury does this more often than not. And you see this uh, more with Maury than Danny Ainge. And 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 like I kind of wonder if like Kevin Pritchard or uh, the the new general manager Chad something I I forgot his last name I apologize but um, I kind of wonder if they're paying attention to this like like because Danny's gonna rip you off he's he'll call you and he'll try to he'll yeah try, yeah like we're not trading Terry Terry Rozier right like this is Danny Ainge's reputation by now right um and like he's kind of getting mocked on Twitter today because uh there was a report that leaked out that basically what uh Danny Ainge thought that what the Pacers wanted was unrealistic. Um, and like people are like, oh, is did he ask for toy Terry Rozier? Is that what he asked for? Right, like like people are killing Danny Ainge right now on Twitter. Um, but I kind of feel like like other GMs are going to notice this, and they're going to be more willing to trade for the Rockets uh, moving forward. Yeah, I think it's important for teams not to feel like they're going to get hosed in a trade, uh, especially when like if if you, if you get a reputation for every trade you make looking horrible for the other team in the rearview mirror, you know, like they're going to be looking over their shoulder. So right. I think like, it makes sense. Sam Hinkie had his yeah. reputation too, which is one of the multiple reasons where he got outed. Yeah. So I think eventually that kind of falls apart. You have to have, uh, you have to have some good faith moves. You have to have other teams knowing that you're not going to purposely try to just like, stiff them that you need, you want to make a trade that both teams can win. Like I, th- I actually kind of think that you've seen this evolution in Daryl Morey and his front office over the years he's been with the team. Like, players uh you know executives grow as well as all humans do <laughs> they grow and improve and i think he's actually a way better manager of this team than he used to be oh yeah he, he's yeah, he's definitely better because i mean if, if you just look at like his public perception like that that it, he had a terrible perception during the kevin martin era like it was dreadful like people were calling for his head on a stick and that now like people trust and believe in daryl what daryl Morey is selling because he's proven it time after time um and also like and uh, that's even more relevant today with this Chris Paul trade but I mean and also like the deals he's made over time have just made a lot of sense for the Rockets and like he's he's also he also has this unique reputation of rebuilding without tanking and like I feel like this is a talking point for a lot of people when they talk about the Rockets like like they like we act like what Daryl Morey did was easy, but it was really difficult. Like that, that's like probably never going to happen again. What the James Harden trade, uh, you know, becoming what the Rockets are today, like that's it's unlikely for that to ever happen with our organization again. But I mean, like it's it cont- continues to be a motto of how you can rebuild without tanking. Um, and like I, and like he 
he just has a really good reputation now, uh, and he's become a better executive, as you said, over time than where he, that where he was like seven years ago. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about like how, how they kind of managed to look to look better coming out of this. So obviously they have Chris Paul, and they lost a significant amount of their assets because the, 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 that that's something that's not being talked about enough. They gave, they gave up a pretty decent chunk of their assets. I I was actually writing a column about. Uh, ranking the Rockets' trade assets, and that column completely got like destroyed yesterday. <laughs> like, like I, I was, I was literally gonna publish last night, and it, it just it got it got destroyed. And whatever, it, it, it's all good. Uh, and on, on that column, the Rockets' third best asset, uh, you know, number one was James Harden, obviously. Number two, Clint Capella. Number three was Patrick Beverly. They traded their third best asset away, and um, they traded away a first round pick. They traded away Sam Decker. Um, they traded away Montrez Harrell. Like th- their asset bank has somewhat t- took a, taken a, b- a significant hit, right? And at the same time, the Rockets continue to trade for these non guaranteed deals. And I'm kind of wondering, like, what the hell are they doing? Because like, do, do do they have like a trade in the works, or are they just um, are are they just stocking up on these contracts just in case they find one? Because you look. You look at their. You look at their assets. I mean, they have Eric Gordon, obviously, and that. And that. That's a really good contract. Um, and he's obviously Indian. Indianapolis native. It's been talked about in at nauseum. And you know, you 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 have your twenty twenty first round pick, which is the, which is like the next possible pick the Rockets can trade. Um, and like that's pretty much it. I mean, as far as top level assets, I mean, I guess you can talk about. Clint Capella, but I I have a strong feeling that the Rockets aren't going to include Clint Capella in this trade. I mean, Clint Capella seems to be a pretty big part of their future. Do you not agree? Uh, I think there are trades that they would include Clint Capella in, but we'll have to see if they end up making those trades. Like, I think most... I don't... I don't know what's happening right now. I think the number one thing that's happening is... uh, I mean, they probably have some things in the works, but what I would suspect right away is that they want to stay over the cap because it's useful them to have all those exceptions. They want to be just, just a little bit over the cap. And that's why they're picking up these smallish contracts that are non-guaranteed. Uh, but if they do make a move, they want to be able to shed some salary. I think that's kind of the deal. They want to have as much of this, like a much as much of this sheddable salary as possible to fill out up to the salary cap so they can stay in whatever mode they want to stay in, no matter what moves they make. Like right now they're really just kind of lubricating, lubricating the gears, I think is what these moves are about. <laughs> uh, and, and, and like um, these contracts could, could end up being pretty valuable in a trade. If a, if a team wants to shed assets, I mean like shed salary, I mean, what better way to do that than non-guaranteed contracts? That's why they're kind of creating this, this artificial trade exception. If you're trading away a superstar, one of the big things you're you're gaining in trading him away is salary cap space, right? Uh, if you're trading, if you're trading for a trade exception, and the Rockets are managed to do are, are doing that through these non-guaranteed deals. So basically, if if the Rockets were to trade for let's just say uh, a twenty-five million dollar player, and they only have like thirteen million dollars um, in in contracts, right? Like if they have like eleven million dollars in non-guaranteed deals, like and I'm I'm not saying that's what the Rockets have. Like if if they have that, that's basically free trade exception for the other team to clear up as soon as he comes on the roster. Yeah, I think but yeah, I think they have something they're lining up. Um I think there's 
some stuff that they're trying to do. Obviously, we've heard about them after Paul George and uh, and Carmelo Anthony, which I imagine we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I th- I, I think we're going to see more things happen. I kind of suspect that they're trying to move very quickly because they want to get their big moves done before anybody else really has a chance to get it together. Like I think they're trying <laughs> to head everyone else off at the pass, right? Because they they are so good at moving these parts around. I, I think they really I, I just mean, want to. They kind of blindsided the rest of the league at the t- for the timing of, of this Chris Paul trade, right? Yeah, exactly. And while the league is reeling, I think they want to strike again. Like I think optimally, <laughs> if they could, they'd make a second deal right this minute. Like they want to get this over with, so before, so before anyone else is ready, before the rest of the league has a deal ready, I think they want to be able to march into you know to Pritchard's office and be like, "Here's a deal. It'll get Paul George moved. We we talked to two other teams or whatever. Like we we've arranged all stuff. It's ready to go. All you got to do is sign it. We can have this." done right now don't wait for danny right like <laughs> let's go ahead let's go ahead and talk about it okay so like the, the the players that are being rumored for with the rockets right now is because like you, you know it's interesting how the how this stuff works right when you get a superstar right the the biggest talking point is when are you getting that second guy right like like that was always the big talking point with yeah. james harden right and then when you get that second superstar it's almost like the clock gets like 40 like 10 paces right because now, now everybody's asking okay the, oh they're gonna get that third guy it's almost assumed that they're going to get that third guy, right? Like, it's like everybody's talking about how, although they're not done yet. They're not done yet. Like, every t- talk show, podcast, column, everything you see suggests that the Rockets aren't done yet. And basically, I mean, like, the Rockets, there's a lot of pressure right now for the Rockets to get this third guy. And, like, a lot of names are being mentioned. Let's go ahead and talk about them. Paul George. Paul Millsap and Carmel Anthony. Those are the three big names that that I've seen uh, mentioned today for you know like the Rockets to get. Who do you think among those three? Who's the most realistic and and who's the most ideal for the Rockets to acquire? Okay. Uh, I think the most realistic is probably Paul Millsap because he is uh, a free agent, and so they have more avenues for how they can acquire him. He's another guy that if they come to an agreement with him, then they can force that to happen one way or another i think the best fit though i don't know maybe i'm alone on this island but i think that paul george would be an incredibly good fit in houston oh no you're not alone like this is something like i mean the reason paul and i joked all year about paul george you know coming to houston i mean like this was before the rockets had any like before before the rockets had chris paul before the rockets had any chance of landing a second guy and like the reason we joked about it so much is because like he fits so beautifully. Like he he works incredibly off the ball. Like he's a, a really great cutter, really great shooter. Like he's like a a forty percent near forty percent three point shooter for his career. Um, and you know he's obvi- he's obviously really good with the ball too. And he's an also an inc- incredible wing defender. Like an amazing wing defender. Like if if you remember, like like before Kawhi became Kawhi, he was probably the best wing defender in the nba for for like a couple years at that time right like or it, it was at least up in up into debate who was better because that that's how good of a wing defender paul george is like he's the kind of guy you'd put on kd he, he's the type of guy you would put on you know the, the opposing player's best wing player and like he also does these other little stuff provides incredible spacing um provides an awesome cutter and like he does all these little things that add up to a perfect fit with these guys, with, with these ball dominant guys, like, you know, with Chris Paul and James Harden. And like, 
I think he's an incredible fit. Also, I think Paul Millsap. I agree. Like, I think I do think like if if there's somebody who's probably more more likely than not to come to the Rockets, it's probably Paul Millsap because um, the Rockets just don't have what Kevin Pritchard's asking for. I mean, they just don't like like if you remember a couple of weeks ago, the asking price for for Paul George was two first round picks. And like I just kind of think like that. I mean that's obviously unre- unrealistic. Yeah, like, but they're not getting it. They're not getting it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and like for from both sides, unrealistic. The, the 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 Pacers aren't getting two first round picks for Paul George. Paul George is leaving after this year, right? Like, and they lost a significant amount of leverage because every team knows that. Like, you can't hide that. Like, you know, his agents leaked a lot of stuff. Um, Paul George hasn't given any indication that he's he's, he's committed to Indiana, and so. Every team knows that, you know, they have no leverage, right? And also from the Rockets' standpoint, they don't have two first-round picks to give away. No, <laughs> they, they sure t- don't, unless they manufacture them somehow. But, Which you know, is who possible. knows how they'll go about that. Yeah, yeah we, it's possible, but unknown. Yeah, I mean, like, here, here's, here's what, you, what, you can, um, what you can see in a Paul George scenario. If, if the Rockets manage to get a third team that's willing to take on, like, Ryan Anderson's salary or, you know, Eric Gordon's salary or whatever— like if, if if the Rockets can get a third team, uh, to to give you know the Pacers like assets, and you can see this in a Paul George and a Paul Millsap trade too, then you you can possibly see the Rockets uh, putting together a pretty um, hefty package for him. And I mean, without that, I just I just think that the best the Rockets have to give is Eric Gordon and and a twenty twenty first round pick, which I don't think Daryl's ever gonna give because like that just like screams Brooklyn. Like because if if this doesn't work out right, like if then these guys are going to get traded, and if these guys get traded, the Rockets are going to be really bad. And if they get, if the Rockets are really bad, they're going to want those first round draft picks. So I don't think Daryl Morey is going to trade a twenty twenty first rounder. Uh, who knows? I mean, I've been surprised before. Uh, I, I do think the Rockets' second round picks are on the table, um, and I do think that you know uh, some of their you know assets. Like I, I do think if Paul George is on the table, I think Clint Capella is going to be on the table. And and any other trade. I don't think Clint Capella is going to the table. I, I don't think in a Paul, Paul Millstab trade, I, I don't think the Rockets are willing to give it part ways with Clint Capella. And yeah. th- this is like, yeah. this is backed up by like reporting. I mean, everybody knows that the Rockets are really, really high on Clint Capella. They've leaked it a bunch of times. If you talk to them directly, they'll tell you, we think Clint Capella is like a, 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 could be a borderline all-star. And that's like something Daryl Morey's saying, says all the time. Like, he think he they value Clint Capella a lot, and you know you can kind of see why they do. Like Clint Capella is an awesome uh, pick and roll player, rim runner, uh, really good pick and roll defender in terms of switching. He has he, he has a lot of room to grow. He's a and, culture guy too. Yeah, and, and he has a lot of room to grow as, as a rim as a rim protector. But he's a really tantalizing asset. Uh, so I think a lot of the Paul George stuff is going to come down to Paul George. Like, I know that oh, there's, like, a 100% chance that James Harden and Chris Paul are in his ear about this, right? Like, yeah, yeah we've heard we've heard that he's dead set on the Lakers. Who knows how much that was true or how much that was just him trying to, like, you know, force someone's hand. Oh, but uh, I think that's true yeah. because, I mean, we've seen so many media outlets leak this. Sam Amick, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, like, it, any, like, credible media outlet has leaked this. That, that I mean, or, or they've leaked it to any credible media outlet that will listen. So, uh, but I think that now with Chris Paul being on the Rockets, I mean that that changes the mathematics, right? Like, we don't know what what Paul George is going to want, but there's a very real chance that you know these two superstars 
blowing up his phone and making points about, hey, dude, where do you want to beat the Warriors? We're <laughs> where to go. Like there, I I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it, there there is a realistic chance that he might go like, you know what though, actually, maybe I would resign there if uh, in that case, like if it, that's the that's got to be Houston's hope. That's their only hope for Paul George is that they get in his ear and he goes, actually, you know what, I'll resign there. Uh, and at that point, that really swings a leverage toward that team. Uh, and then you can see about trying to put together some kind of weird, rickety, like three team trade that uh, can get them some assets and stuff and, uh, you know, move some move some things around so that, you know, Pritchard and the and the Pacers aren't just completely hosed and only really partly hosed. Right. Um Sorry, I got distracted. My my phone kind of blew up, and I I freaked out there for a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like it's that time of year, man. Like you, you get a text message, you get a notification, like you just kind of freak out, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I did I did want to note one thing. Uh, so the biggest change between last season and this season in terms of unguaranteed contracts is that non-guaranteed contracts in a trade now count as the guaranteed number and not the non-guaranteed number as far as like trade value goes. So that that's part of why they needed to do it in the last season. That's not this coming season. So these non-guaranteed contracts are are picking up come the first are going to not be as valuable from a trade fodder standpoint, because they're only going to count as like 200,000 or whatever. So they have every incentive to trade these contracts before the new CBN now, kicks in. Yeah, right kicks now. In. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, that's really interesting. Um, I, I'm glad we're podcasting today and not tomorrow, uh, because. <laughs> <coughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, and also, it's not like these contracts aren't going to have value after July 1st. It's they're just going to have significantly less value because you, what you see a lot with these with these NBA deals is like you know you'll see a contract like oh yeah oh this player is getting uh, let's just say two million uh, in non guaranteed contracts and only one million that's going to be non guaranteed is going to be guaranteed. And, like so, you could see a lot of these contracts get basically halved, um, and it, it, that could significantly hurt the Rockets if, if they choose to wait that long. At the same time, if they if they do if they do go ahead and wait till um, until July first, it's not like they can't trade these contracts. The only thing is like they're just not going to be worth as much, and the Rockets are going to have to give up more more yeah. real salary to make the trade work. But- but they also can. I mean, it's not a big deal too much either way. It's useful. It's a useful tool right now. But even if they have a bunch of these contracts, they end up not wanting. Like right now, they're keeping them above the tax line or above the uh, the cap line, which is what they need for some of their exceptions. And then if they need to, they can just like blow them up basically, which kind of sucks for these guys. I was thinking about this that these poor dudes, these guys who own these non guaranteed contracts, like they're they're just getting upended. Uh, and oh, by the way, it's now 5.1 instead of 3.6 million that teams can pay in terms of cash considerations. So that's kind of why they're throwing these cash considerations around. But uh, that, that sucks for these guys, Wait, right? Hold on, hold on. It, it's 5.1 as of right now, or is three? It's five as of as of the as of the coming salary year in a couple days. Oh, so so they're gonna get a lot of these contracts after July 1st, basically. Uh, no, I think they've already bought them with the previous year's 3.6, but they, didn't, okay. they don't really ever give out. The Rockets don't give out cash considerations very much. I think they kind of saved them up for this. But next year, they'll have even more they can do. Yeah. They can do these kind of deals with. So what's your, what were you saying? Oh, I feel bad for these dudes who are just getting like bought out of their contracts. Like They're getting their some of their money, but they're not getting all of their money, and they're also getting just like 
oh yeah, you're going to Houston, except you're not really going to Houston. You basically just got fired from your job at the, at the, the Mavs or whatever. Like yeah. this is there is uh, this weird human cost. This is kind of esoteric to talk about, but I was just thinking this strange human cost of all these caption shenanigans. <laughs> like I definitely think that Daryl Morey should be doing this, but I feel like he shouldn't be able to. If that makes any sense. No, I get what you're saying. Like organizations shouldn't have that much power over these guys that you know basically want to feed their families, right? Um, and, and like like at the same time, like I do think like if if these teams are willing to give up on these players for cash. Like, there's probably a significant chance that they weren't, like, NBA caliber in, to begin with. So, I mean, like... That's sad. Yeah. That makes it, me sad. Yeah, I mean, like... I mean, like, I'm not as, I'm not as much, because it was coming either way. Like, they were going to get cut, or this was going to happen. I guess now they get to have, like, another team on the resume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, I guess, I mean, like, hey, organizations love to collect information like this, Uh but yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and talk about uh, free agency, which begins in 22 hours, um, and uh, we haven't even got into it. Uh, but yeah, so the Rockets basically only have these exceptions to deal with. They're, they're, they have, like, I think they have the bird rights in an A, right? Uh, they just have, I don't know, do you, do you get early bird rights on just one year? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think so. So, I mean, like, right now... It looks like the only free agent they're worried about is Nene, and um, they they do they do have to fill out the rest of his roster because their bench got deplete, yeah. they, their bench got depleted. Um, the Rockets do have these young assets to work with, like they do they do still have Zochi coming over this year, which is from our reporting he is coming over this year. Um, they do still have uh, their young center that they drafted this this um, this year in this year's draft. Um, they, you know, Isaiah Hardenstein, uh, they do still have a lot of, you know, international prospects, Alexandro Gentile, uh, and, um, you know, like Sergio Yule, uh, I, I, and I know <laughs> the I, legend of Sergio Yule, <laughs> I mean, Hey, I mean, you, you gotta try, right. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, they do still have some assets, uh, that they could bring over to, to fill out the rest of his roster at the same time. Uh, it's more likely that they're going to go after ring chaser guys with with their exceptions. Like they they might go after like Andre Iguodala with like their their MLE, or they might go after like um, God knows who. Like there's a lot of low end free agents like that that like, you can find on the margins for cheap. Um, and like I kind of feel like their biggest they really need to find a wing. Yeah, they. I mean, I, I I trust them on that. I think the only guy on the roster who really is at all irreplaceable right now, apart from of course Chris Paul and James Harden, uh, <laughs> is Clint Capella. I think everybody else they can figure out a way to uh, get some production. Like it's just that our guys going to buy into the system, and I think at this point, yes, like everyone else is going to be totally bought into the system at this point. You just have to worry about Chris Paul, and everything else will sort of sort itself out. I'm just not. I, I guess I'm just not worried. I just don't worry about those kind of things because I've seen Daryl Morey just manufacture like a bench and like a pile of prospects out of just like sticks and gum. That's <laughs> pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, th- this is where Daryl Morey thrives, right? And we, we didn't know he was this good at, at at collecting guys on the margins until the Rockets became like a championship contender, right? Like we didn't know Daryl Morey had this unique skill set until uh, pretty much. Uh, the Rockets got James Harden, Dwight Howard, and he had to find these guys in the margins, right? Um, so yeah, he's 
among the best in the league at this. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm confident that they'll fill out the roster. At the same time, these wing guys, man, like, they're so few and far between. And to find them on th- their player exceptions are going to be really, really difficult. Because not only are they few and far between, but they're going to be highly sought after, right? Like, like your average wing is going to get paid a lot more than your average big. Yeah, but what I think part of this is that if they if they need to get wings, it's because they've made a move for someone like like a, a Paul Millsap or a uh, or a Paul George, right? So yeah. if, if you get Paul George, that's going to take up like that's that's some wing depth right there. That's a lot of your wing depth right there. That's a, that's a, that's a guy who can play three or the four, however much you need him to, right? So we'll we'll see how he feels about four, but. Uh, if you don't move for, say, Paul George or Paul Millsap, then you they kind of already have some wing players at the moment. So, so I, the current situation, the bench is not totally desperate. Like they could definitely use some some filling out of the bench as it stands. I will need more if they do make a big move, but you know the big move will p- perhaps provide some of that on its own. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um... So, I mean, let's go ahead and talk about Chris Paul and James Harden because that's what everybody is talking about today. Um, how do you think it's going to work, right? Because, like, I, I still have my I still have my doubts, but, I mean, the fact that these guys badly wanted to play with each other shows me that, like, they're incentivized to make this work. They really wanted to make this work. Uh, yeah, I think it probably will. Uh, there's There's a very good chance this totally crashes and burns. Like there is every chance that this is completely a disaster, and that these guys cannot work together. That uh, was it. What is it that Amin said? It's like playing, like joining with your best friend at work or whatever. Yeah, like uh, becoming roommates with your best friend. Right. Like it might be horrible. It might be that they just cannot work together. Right. Like like James Harden and Chris Paul just do not see eye to eye at all on anything and they just immediately want to like want to just call this quits uh which could suck but there's also a very good chance that the that the situation is right for this like i think there are some parts of this formula which might be able to fit together really well like chris paul's getting a little older he's on the wrong side of his prime he knows that he needs to do what he can to win uh this is sort of a proven formula in houston Right, they're like, oh, if you play this way, you can win. The only thing they need is not to, you know, run out of steam over the course of the year. So, and these two guys can relieve pressure from each other. Like, if they're if they're both willing to take a bit of a hit, if they're both willing to not always be the primary ball handler and to sort of switch off those duties, if they're willing to uh, facilitate a little more, they can play fewer minutes, have lower minute, you know, have a lower load, get less tired. Uh, the team can be more balanced. Like if they if they want to really just trust D'Antoni and the front office and James Harden, if they want to trust that the system is going to work, if Chris Paul is able to like let himself just kind of go with the flow, which that's a big ask for Chris Paul. Yeah. But if he can do it. If he can do that, then I think there's a very real chance this can work out incredibly well. And I think that the Warriors being in the NBA, if anything, move them toward this. Like, it's hard to deny that the right choice is to be completely selfless and totally pro-team right now. There's no room for doing anything but. Like, the culture that was established last year in Houston definitely seemed to be one of 
we're going to do what wins. What's winning is James Harden holding the ball. We don't care what, like, that's the point, though, is to get the wins, not to worry about, like, the grandeur of James Harden, which is a little bit undercut by their playing him little minutes. But I think there's a potential where this could go really, really well. If Chris Paul and James Harden really buy into the idea of team first, a second completely, I think the rest of the team will, no problem, and I think they could have something really good going. Uh, so it could be a total disaster, but I think it's more likely it'll go pretty well, and there's a small chance it could go amazingly well. Yeah, look, this is not a perfect fit, right? Like, it's not. But at the same time, like, how many superstar tandems have been perfect fits, right? Like, it, it's, it takes a lot of give and take to make it work. Um, and I think these these guys are willing to do so. The fact that like you know Harden openly tampered and tried to get Chris Paul <laughs> is like is like indication that he wants to make this work. I think I heard on seven ninety today, uh, while as, as I was just you know taking my morning commute that you know like the the organization approached James Harden and they asked they asked him like out of all the possible free agents, who do you want to play with? And he he picked Chris Paul. And so like if that's the case, then I mean. I mean, like he really wants to make he wants to play with Chris Paul, uh, and he probably knows the tendencies of Chris Paul, right? Like Chris Paul wants to control everything, say, and he wants he needs the ball in his hands to be an effective player. At the same time, like like James Harden, I, he I feel like we kind of forget that he's played shooting guard for most of his life. Like like if you look at his college career, like Arizona State. If you look at uh, you know Oklahoma City most of his Houston tenure like we kind of forget that he was he's a kind of a natural shooting guard as it is so it's not going to be a difficult adjustment on that aspect well probably not I mean it's still possible he'll kind of be like uh going back to this doesn't feel great but uh I don't know I I think it's it doesn't look like a perfect fit but I think the biggest reason the fit is not perfect is dispositional and not skill like what? Like if they can get over their the, the disposition of them both wanting to have the ball a lot. And by the way, Chris Paul doesn't actually have the ball as much as people think he does. But uh, if they if they dispositionally can do this, if they can decide like, okay, we're both going to accept like a a smaller usage, then their skills fit together incredibly well. In fact, that this is a completely lethal backcourt that no one can guard if they if they really just want to play run the system play the ball that works and shred opponents defenses like if they really can put aside ego this is a very good fit but the ego and the nature of basketball are what makes people worried about it and for good reason yeah this is totally different from Ty Lawson right like for multiple reasons I I hate when people compare this to Ty Lawson because first of all Chris Paul is not Ty Lawson uh Chris Paul is (laughs) no he sure as hell isn't he's just a little bit better he's just just a little bit better um he's uh a very an an awesome defender um he is a really really good three-point shooter he's in fact over the last couple years he's become a damn near 40 percent three-point shooter uh even actually this season I think he shot 42 percent from three so I mean you know he has experience playing really well off the ball and you know his off the off the ball like his catch and shoot numbers are pretty good James Harden's catch and shoot numbers are actually pretty good too. Um, the 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 thing is, they just do don't do it that often, right? And that's that's going to be the real adjustment. Like getting used to playing without the basketball uh, for both both of these guys is going to be adjustment. Like like I, if if you think about James Harden's natural tendency after a defensive possession, his man is looking for him. Like whoever grabs the board is looking for him. And sometimes he doesn't have to bring the ball up. Like if Chris Paul grabs the board, he can just go. 
right? And Chris Paul, I mean, James Harden just has to learn to play basically like a simple fast break without without having the basketball in his hands like he has to relearn some of this stuff which is you know it's not necessarily a bad thing right like because if you look at the warriors i mean like this is kind of who they're going up against right these guys have these skills and they've learned this stuff over time that's why they're so damn good they're really good without playing without the basketball in their hands they're really good at that stuff and like harden is an incredible you know he's incredible at getting to the rim he 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 can be a good slasher. Like if you look at some of Harden's most prolific dunks, it's it's pe- it's his teammates finding him, you know, cutting the lane and throwing down like a sledgehammer. Like like those are his best dunks in, as a rocket. And so like I do think it it can work from that aspect, right? Like we might see a little bit more athletic beard, and like th- I'm excited for that. Um, and, and like Harden needed this so badly. Like he needed a playmaker to get the ball out of his hands so badly. Like not for more reasons than one like he he looked exhausted in the postseason like like if you look at game six like he was asked to do so much i was at you i was at game six and harden was asked to guard paul like Paul gasol and bring the ball up and as well as playing a seven-man rotation so he was playing heavy minutes on top of that so i mean like and that's something people forget. Like he's asked to do an insane. Like it's kind of the elephant in the room. Nobody really talks about this, and, I, and I'm I'm writing a column on this right now. Harden's usage rate over the past four years or three or four years is ridiculous. He plays like 36 minutes a game. Plays damn near all 82 games, and like he want he plays like every first and third quarter. And I think Chris Paul is going to alleviate a lot of that for him, as well as his usage. Like he doesn't have to be involved in every play anymore. Um, if you remember, like the MVP race this year, one of the biggest stats that you know people portrayed in Harden's favor is, you know, look at the amount of points he's creating. Well, I'm like, and I was kind of like, eh, is that is that a good thing? Is that a good thing that Harden's creating all these points? Like, I mean, yeah, it's 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 certainly good for his MVP candidacy, but I mean, like, is it good for his body? Like, is it good that you know for the Rockets, like that they can only depend on Harden to, to, for this much point creation, like? And I do think Chris Paul is going to help immensely in those aspects. And as well as, like, Chris Paul might help him become a better defender because without providing so much on the offensive end, like, he might have more energy for defense. And that could be could potentially end up being huge for the Rockets, right? Like, they were 14th in defense this year. Maybe they can improve from that just by adding Chris Paul. And, like, Chris Paul will get on Harden's ass. And I do think that's, that's a big aspect yeah. in all this. Like, he, he is a vocal leader by definition like he will you know he will get on Harden's ass like if, if for any sort of mistake like if, if someone makes a bad cut back cut you might see um some of that um you might you might see some of that come out of Chris Paul and like I, I think I think it could you know some tough love could be good for James Harden you know like and it, the, here's, here's the thing like they wanted to make this work and they kind of have to make this work at this point right like they because like Chris Paul is a free agent next year. The Rockets are, they gave up a significant amount for Chris Paul. Like, they gave up pretty much whatever assets they had left. And so, like, the Rockets are, like, they have every incentive to try their best. Mike D'Antoni has every incentive to try their best to make this work. Uh, James Harden's a free agent in 2019 by his opt-out. So, like, they pretty much have to have to do their best to make this work. Otherwise, like, the Rockets could end, could end up empty-handed. Yeah, uh, I think that's not the most likely case, but it is certainly a possibility. Uh, 
I am just excited to see a two-man game between Harden and Chris Paul and watch how other teams' defenses just see their doom coming down the barrel. <laughs> that's if, Against 28 teams in the NBA, that's going to be a sheer nightmare. Yeah, Maybe 27, if you depending on your, your view of how, uh, how good the Spurs' defense is. Yeah, and a lot of this is, like, we don't really know what other teams are going to do in free agency. Like, for all we know, like, the Spurs could land Kyle Lowry, right? Like, we have no idea. Oh, that'd be so good. Oh, I want all the Eastern Conference stars to go west. <laughs> oh, man. It's good. I mean, like, Jimmy Butler just went west. Uh, I mean, and and if you look at the Western Conference, like, the second best player is probably, like, John Wall at this point. Like, it's... The, the West has an embarrassment of riches. It, it's brutal that the Rockets have to play in this conference. Um... <laughs> But yeah, uh, I, and my question is like, how much better can they get on the offensive end? They were already tenth all time in offense. Like, there's like, still room. There's still room. Uh, I mean, like, like I mean, like, I guess, I guess the the bar is the Warriors, right? The bar is the Warriors. Be better than them on offense. And, Be as much better than them on offense. Uh, more than they are better than you on defense. That's the plan. Yeah, and, and I also think it's, there's going to be some there's going to be some fun stuff with Clint Capella in this. Like, like we haven't even talked about oh, how much he, he's going to yeah. benefit from this man. Like he's, he's going to dunk 38 times a game. Yeah, it, it's going to be insane. Like, I, did you see what he tweeted today? Actually, yeah, he did. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, the, pic- the Photoshop picture of him with more lobs. <laughs> yeah. The basically the, the picture is like like if you guys remember though. The Will Chamberlain, him holding the hundred point, like like he, after the hundred point game, he held up a piece of paper that had hundreds on it. There's a picture of him going around the internet right now of him holding up a piece of paper that says "more lobs." Like like yeah, it's his face photoshopped onto that uh onto, onto Will that picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, like it, and he's gonna benefit immensely from this. Like, and we t- we we talk about how good Clint Capella could be, right? Like. Like I, I'm, I'm really high on Clint Capella. If you listen to this podcast for last year, I think you'll know that by now. Like I, I'm insanely high on how good he can be. His potential excites me like crazy. And Chris Paul, a guy who basically made DeAndre Jordan the big man who, who he was. I mean, like an All NBA big man. Like you know, his effect on Chris, on DeAndre could be immense. Like he, I mean, not on DeAndre on Clint Capella could be immense. Like. We could see Clint Capella take another step in his game, um, certainly on the offensive end, but even on the defensive end. Like, like the vocal stuff, like, like could help Clint Capella a lot. Like, you know, like the biggest area of weakness for him right now is on the rim protection end, right? And if if he becomes a good rim protector, dear God, the NBA is in for like a huge threat. Yeah, uh, and you better believe that his agent called him as soon as Chris Paul got traded and was like, yeah, uh, so this is just like dollar bills on your next contract. Your next contract just went up significantly. (laughs) Yeah, and and it already went up like crazy because of James Harden. And like now we're going to see like, I mean like especially if the Rockets are managed to to get like Paul Millsap or like Paul George, like we could see like a new iteration of like Lob City because like that could be like a really athletic like – Front court and uh, along with um, along with if we see athletic beard come back because I I really think there's a potential that athletic beard comes back. If so, what you're saying is we'll see more of his oh my god dunks. Yeah, yeah, because like if you remember, like I mean I just said this early in the podcast, but his best dunks are off the ball. Like his best dunks are when he doesn't have the ball and gets it from another teammate. Can you imagine Chris Paul finding him for those dunks? I mean, like 
that could be insane. Like, I mean, like, and, and that and his entered energy is going to be a lot better for those dunks. Like, I, I think I feel like a lot of the reasons James Harden doesn't dunks are for some of the same reasons he kind of brings the ball up slowly. It's to preserve his energy. Like, he can dunk. He just doesn't because he doesn't have to. Like, it's much easier for him to, to, to get a layup or draw fouls. I also can't wait for a situation where some team thinks they figured out Houston because they're just going to sell out the mid range and just gonna just gonna keep a guy right underneath the rim. They're going to deny them the ball on the three point line and like you know just blow up as many pick and rolls as they can up there. And then Chris Paul and James Harden just like walk into that open mid range space and it's <laughs> like shoot from the elbow and just bury them under mid range jumpers. Right, like that having that option is going to keep defenses so much more honest if they know that these that they have. Two guys who are superstar level who can create their own shots, and that if they sell out the mid range, they're gonna get cooked. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we've talked about this before. Like, like Chris Paul is one of the best mid range shooters of all time. Uh, like, I mean, I'm a huge Chris Paul stand, and that's one of my favorite parts about his game. Like, like he's in elite at, at the mid range. Like, he's one of the best in the NBA today at the mid range jumper. And you know, the fact that they have that in their offense is going to make a huge difference come playoff time. Like, you can't do what the Spurs did to the Rockets with Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul would just come up and shoot, like, 60% from the mid-range. And, and it'll just blow up your entire defensive plan. And Yeah, you, you don't want to have to use that weapon, but you want it in there. Yeah, like, I mean, like, the most efficient shots in the game are obviously the three-point line and, and, and get into the free-throw line and, and layups, right? Like, like, that's obviously what the Rockets want. But, I mean, having this as a fallback, and we've seen James Harden be really effective at the step-back jumper. Maybe we see more of that come back. I mean, God knows. I mean, like, everything's up in the air right now, right? And what the bottom line is the Rockets are a lot more dangerous, and they're a better playoff team, which is the most important thing to take mm-hmm. out of this. Because, like, the Rockets became really predictable, uh, you know, in the playoffs this year. I, I think it's been pretty well documented. Uh, the Spurs, I mean, they pretty much kept their hands up the entire time. They dropped their big back, uh, and they had a plan for James Harden because it was basically the James Harden show, and everybody else, uh, you know, didn't really couldn't really bring much because nobody they were was, here too. Yeah, yeah, they were here too, right? I mean, like uh, Harden had to do in like a lot, and having Chris Paul just opens up the floodgates right and that's gonna be really exciting i can't wait yeah uh this is going to be a wild season there's a good chance this is going to be one of the best seasons we've ever seen there's a real chance this will be a nightmare and whatever's going to happen it's going to be weird and fun and stressful very stressful don't understand how weird and stressful it's going to be when there are huge bright burning lights on your team if they get to the point where they're expected to be the second best team in the league pushing the warriors that's a lot of pressure uh, and it will be filled primarily filled primarily by the stars on that team. But uh, all you Rockets fans out there, it'll bleed over too. You'll feel it vicariously that there is a lot of expectation. Get ready to live and die with your team. Oh, God. Over under three and a half. Uh, Houston, we have a problem headlines uh, for the first two months. Oh, yeah, anything. Uh, over, like, for sure. Any, anything goes wrong at all. Like, someone twists his ankle, and it'll be like, we're going to see so much more Rockets Houston, we have a seen. problem. Houston, yeah. we have a problem. Like, like that that was already a big deal, like, for the Rockets. Like, every time something went wrong, now that the the, the, the lights are on, like, it's going to it's gonna be really nauseating. Like, it's, it, go ahead. There's going to be so much more coverage than we've been used to also. Like this is probably going to be the most covered Rockets team since a championship team. More than the than like the first year of of Harden and Dwight even. This is going to be 
a lot of coverage, a lot of stories, get used to actually seeing the Rockets name in the press. And who knows how much everyone's going to hate them. I'm not sure yet. I know people hate James Harden. I know people hate Chris Paul. So we'll, we'll see what ends up going down. Well, but it well, may just be that because they're challenging the Warriors, everyone likes them. Yeah. And, and that's what I was going to say. Like, this is different, right? Because like the Warriors make things so different. They make the most least likable teams likable. Because because they're that unlikable, because they're that dominating, because there's so because much because they're of, so boring. Yeah, there's so much of a top dog to everybody. Like it's 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 just unfair, and that's that's why everybody's gonna root for the Rockets as sort of an underdog story in, in, in a potential conference finals matchup. And I don't even want to put those kind of expectations on the Rockets yet. Like let's just let's just get the season started, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean the coverage for this team is going to be ridiculous, um, especially if they manage to pull off another trade, which I think they will. Like, it, it, if if I were to put odds on it, I'd kind of put more odds favoring the Rockets than not. Yeah, they're going to do something. They yeah. have a few avenues, and they're going to do something. So we'll see what goes down. Uh, it's going to be wild. The fact it can happen they, at any moment. The fact that they did it so early indicates that they're going to do something. Like it, the fact that it happened. July twenty eighth, the I mean June twenty eighth, before before July and before free agency indicates like there there's a better likelihood than not that they're gonna land a, a, at least another significant player. Like it doesn't have to be a max player. It doesn't have to be Paul Millsap or Paul George, but it could be a pretty significant player that'll help the Rockets. Well, and if they, there's a huge advantage to doing that too, I think if they do manage to make their other their next move before free agency begins. Uh, that sets them up fantastically to while everyone else is trying to grab like some some of the like high tier free agents out there, they can just go after fit. Like that's where you get the really good deals. Is while everyone's waiting for dominoes to fall, you're like some teams are like no, we're just going to sign like the C tier guys who are good and fit our team on on like a good deal because everyone else is overlooking them. So I think that's if they can possibly do that, I think they want to and they're going to. That they want to have their big, they're like their whatever their big three or four, you know, four if you include Capella. They want to have their their big players, uh, their marquee players lined up so they can just ignore like Gordon Hayward and stuff. They can just not worry about it and. And while other teams are, are vying for them, they can go get the guys who matter and fill out the roster. And can we can we just go ahead and like manage to reflect on like how much of a competitive bastard Daryl Morey is? Like because like if you look at like just this last year, he's mentioned the Warriors like more than I've ever seen him mention any other te- any other team. Oh, he's gunning for him. Yeah, he, <laughs> he he has like he goes to sleep with like a bullseye on the Warriors. Like if he, he has like a dartboard in his room and like the Golden State like Warriors logo on on it and he's just kind of throwing it at night like he like he he wants to beat this team like and like you just you see it in every interview he mentions the Warriors every single time and every move that the Rockets are making is a direct challenge to the Warriors right like Chris Paul is going to pose a huge threat to Steph Curry he's he's a really good defender and he 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 can cause some problems for him right and Having another playmaker is going to make a huge advantage in a potential Warriors matchup. I mean, like, I, I just think it's I, I just think it's awesome that Terrell Warriors is a competitive man. 
Yeah, they are the they are the team that the NBA needs. They're coming to save the league from being boring. It's they've always done this, and they always will. This is why the Rockets are a beautiful, magnificent team that I'm glad is in the league, and I'm sad that more people don't appreciate the fun of. Even if you're not a Rockets fan, they make things exciting and they make things interesting. They're vying to be the other super team. No one else stepped up like this, and they're just going right at it. They are they are undaunted. It is fantastic and they need to be appreciated for just how important of a team this is. Yeah, I think the first line of my offseason preview was like, not an offseason's gone by in the history of the Daryl Moore era that's been boring. Ever. Ever. I'm not, I can't remember any offseason that's ever been boring for Daryl Morey. Even even when they went 41-41, and that was... That managed to be interestingly like crazy. Like if you remember, they, they had to hire a new coach. They had to find free agents that wanted to come here after that horrible season. Like they like stuff like that. Like there's always a free agency that's always like every free agency is is interesting under Darren Mori. Not a boring offseason's gone by yep. under Darren Mori. Like I, I can't think of any off the top of my head that's ever been boring. Like they they might not land their guy, but they're gonna make every freaking effort to yeah. call. Right, they're gonna swing at those balls for sure. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. They need that. They need that grand slam. They're gonna swing at everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we managed to do this entire podcast without just saying what the hell, like for, for like five for like thirty minutes, which which is basically what we did yesterday. Uh, we were so in shock that we couldn't really give you guys like a more. Uh, I guess, I guess productive is as a better word a, a more <laughs> podcast right um, that was a rapid response podcast <laughs> right yeah because like we just recorded it on the fly I was on three hours of sleep and I and like we had we were just kind of in shock like we didn't really know what the hell was going on uh, so now the pact is sealed and now we just see what comes of the next era of the rockets yeah yeah I mean like uh, I think Chris Paul's a Houston rocket like uh, last time I checked he still is um but yeah. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Red Nation Noobs. Follow uh, Forrest on Twitter at Do Nots. And yeah, guys, good night.